Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Oh, we got a few. Right, PJ res resignations first of all. Jonathan, just just set the framework here. What what do we know? And there's a bit more to come out of the woodwork, isn't there? Yeah. So this has been um, my colleague Peter Scargill's done a fair bit of digging into this. There seems to be a fair bit of turmoil at the PGA, putting it lightly. We understand um, from the reporting that there have been a number of resignations at board level, uh, including the chairman. And this is linked to, I believe, frustrations from the membership relating to whip rules um, and a couple of other minor issues. But the, the PGA has been on a slightly difficult trajectory, I feel, in the last couple of years, slightly hunkered down perhaps in light of a few high-profile instances before in the handling of those. Um, it's not good news at a time when jockeys, I feel, need representing. I mean, we've just had a discussion about the whip rules now. They need somebody who can go in and bat for them. So it's concerning that we're in this situation, but I think more will come out in the wash in the, in the coming days. Have you not been well enough represented, Pat, do you feel? Oh, look, it's, as I said earlier, it's, it's a thankless job. Um, and you know, it's, I don't know how to really answer. It's it's tough because, as I say, you know, you've got to look at both sides. But I sometimes feel that you know, when these things happen, jockeys seem to come out with the worst of it, no matter what what sort of case it is. But um, look, Neil probably more can tell you more because he's more in, in, in advanced in what what comes out, and he's more in. In, in talks with what what's going on. So you're on the advisory board, right? Yeah, I'm on the PGA advisory board uh, since I came back from Hong Kong, obviously. Um, so I've been away ten years, um, and just from like my personal observations, looking at it from the outside in, and then coming in and observing, like there is certain people that work very hard on on the PGA board, uh, but I just feel that we need to be more direct and more strong, and a little bit more aggressive in in, in negotiations and. Uh, Hopefully I can help in that. Great timing. Very good. Windsor Fun Fair. So I went to Windsor this day with my young family and it was brilliant. Now, we weren't near the fun fair. We went to the family enclosure. It was 40 quid an adult. The kids got in free. Uh, we had an exceptional view of the paddock. The, the kids that were there, there were about eight of them in total who were aged up to five I mean, they loved looking at the horses going around the paddock. That was probably the best thing about it. Um, there were lots of little games for them to play, free pizza included, ice cream included. Uh, it was brilliant. Now, we didn't go near the fun fair, um, which was a, a slightly different area. And having seen the videos that I, I've seen since, I, I totally take the point, maybe that wasn't a wasn't a good look and wasn't what was best for the horses, Jonathan, and, and it was pointed out. I mean, Sheen Murphy on, on uh, Rob Millman's horse, he got thrown off and apparently that horse was heavily affected by the by the fun fair. Well, I rode in that race. Ah, I rode there okay. that day. Okay. And I think the positioning of it was wrong because it's right next to where the stable yard is. And actually, um, Ocean was behind me coming onto the track and the horse that I rode that at Tiger Bay is normally quite chilled. He was even a bit wound up. And... Oshin fell off, he's coming out the chute, and then had, he couldn't get on, he had to be led down to the mm -hmm. start, which meant I had to walk down past the funfair. And they rerouted us around the other side to canter to the start because they didn't want us cantering in front of it. Now, in a later race, one of the girls got ran away with, a young girl, 
and then Karen by the stalls, which is about the mile and a quarter start, and she fell off it. Horse got loose, ran down the track, came back up, had to be led up the track and brought into the grass area in front of where the funfair was to go back to the stable yard. Now, that's not ideal. So it was all about positioning for me. Yeah, it, it was a big day. It was a bank holiday. Um, they need to address that because if horse safety and welfare, and rider welfare is, is, is at the forefront of what we're doing, then that doesn't sit, uh, that's incongruous with that. No, um, not to sort of, I can sympathise with racecourses because they need to diversify their incomes. We've seen the attendance figures. I'm not having, I certainly wouldn't have a go at anyone trying to do something new to get more people through the gates, but we also need to retain some common sense and uh, a fun fair right next to where the horses are is a bad idea. Yeah. I think that will be addressed going forward next year. Uh, National Racehorse Week. Um, this is obviously uh, coming back again this year in, in September. It feels, Pat, as if, given everything that's gone before in the build-up to the Grand National, etc., this is a time again, this is the third renewal of National, National Racehorse Week, where I think the industry needs to, to really get behind it. Last year, was it was like that tricky second album time where the, the first year had been so successful and then the second year they really needed to get behind it and it was well received and I think we need another real boost into it this year so that everyone opens their doors for National Racehorse Week and that we can shed as much positivity onto the week as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, racing needs some positive things going forward and we need weeks like this to sort of get people more involved and, and, and into our sport and, and they say whatever we can do to, to help, it's, it's, it's going to be good. The... They're, they're, that said, I think that a lot of um, people who are protesting at the moment, I think they they accept that horses are pretty well cared for at home, for all that we need to, to show that. Um, I think we need to tie in with what happens on the race course as well and, and all the safety procedures on the race course that, that the industry is putting in to make sure that racing can take place as safely as possible for the animal. Yeah, it's it's all linked together and it's all part, that's all, for, all forms part of one um, educational push and I don't think anyone's suggesting National Racehorse Week is a silver bullet for the public perception of the sport but it works quite well in my view because it does appeal to that common ground, that middle ground sorry, of people who are willing to be open to it. The protesters is a slightly separate issue in that you could invite them to National Racehorse Week and I'm fairly sure it wouldn't change their mind. They're not necessarily the people that we need to be trying to win over. Um, it's those people in the middle who are open to learning about the sport and it starts in the yard but as you quite rightly point out extending it to the race course is probably the next element did you have something you wanted to add well i was going to say it's a great initiative and all that but it's not just about one week a year like this has to be ongoing and this is the only way you can um do this and and get the right people not the right people just get, like educate the people about racing more but it can't be just one week a year. You have to be constantly, constantly, constantly doing it. It's like running a company. Your company's not going to keep grow, keep growing unless you keep driving it. It's the same thing. You've got to keep driving. Guinea's love. I, I just wanted to touch on this because um, we're not far off the back of um, Aintree and, and Punchestown and things like that. I do a, a, a weekly preview of, of all the weekend racing. One thing I really noticed is the Guineas on this preview we did didn't get nearly as many hits. Um, 
Uh, Nick Luck, regular host of this show, um, posted some really interesting news on it on his podcast about Dermot Weld's likely to run to Hera about slip of the pen not running. It didn't really get the pick up, I thought. Is there something about the Guineas do we think that doesn't quite capture our imagination in comparison to the to the other classics of the season? It really feels, to, to my eye, like it's fine for the purists, but those that sit slightly astride of that don't really embrace it. I think you're probably right. I think if you were to look at the figures jumps does in terms of interest and viewership and readership does trump the flat and I think we're probably slightly in that jumps hangover mode not we because we were interested in the guineas but generally speaking it does follow on quite quickly from the jumps so whether people have slightly not clicked their brain into flat mode yet because it is quite a sharp transition I think relative to the other classics the derby's the derby which is a horrible cliche, but that is still one of those races. You've got Royal Ascot, obviously. I think the Guineas probably fall slightly further down the pecking order. Um, but look, it's, it's a race that I love, and I'd, I'd love to see it given more attention and love. Yeah, I, even from our point, we don't, we, you know, racing TV don't do a morning show for it, for example. We do for York, we do for Goodwood, we do for the Derby. I, it, it just feels like, I, I don't know, it, we, we, the, the whole meeting, I love it but it just sits a little bit behind some of the other big meetings. I don't know what you think. I think there must there, there has to be a bit more of a build-up to it, like marketing an, an aspect to it. You know, you know, when the jump racing comes towards the end, it's not the end, is it? Like, then you've got, like, Aintree, and then you've got the Welsh National, and then the Scottish National. So it kind of drip-feeds in, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's the guineas. So yeah, it needs to, be, needs to be handled better, I think. Mm. Do you, you love the guineas? Yeah, look, it's, it's great. As, it, as, as Neil points out, like... We go from Cheltenham to Aintree to Punchestown, yeah. and then sort of off the Guineas. Yeah. And you know, that stage people are just, oh, we need a break from just big racing. I don't know. It's it's, but like it's it's, it's our start of our season really. You know, you know, the last bunch is just start stop, and when the Guineas kicks in, and our season really begins. So I don't know what it is, but it, it it's, it's just a lot of racing before that. You know, I don't know it. it Needs to spread out a bit more, but I like the Guineas meeting. It's it's a start of, start of our season. Um, unfortunately, not for me at the minute. It's not no. But um, yeah, look as I say, it's it's. It, I think it's one of, you know, the Guineas is, is a true test of like of, of the, the three year old really at, at you know, bring the sprint and 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 the mileage together, um, early on in the season. But I don't know. I don't know why it's it's not a bigger build up. I love it. It just feels like it's the launch point, but it doesn't it's have its own launch It's the launch for the future champions, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, Whirlpool, the, uh, this was hugely successful last year. Um, there was record turnover on it yesterday. Um, points that I think that uh, we made in an interview we, we did with John Knapman, um, who's the, the COO of, of the UK Tote, is that this is a, an opportunity for UK punters um, to, to take advantage of, of better odds if they want to. And what, the, what you're putting into the into the whirlpool is good for the sport because the money comes back to the race course and it can help boost prize money. I think largely this is a very positive thing, the whirlpool. I think so. I don't think it's a, a fix-all that perhaps people, some people may have viewed it as, but it is hugely positive and we hear a lot about talent and all the benefits going the other way with losing horses abroad and the kind of negatives of the globalisation of racing, but actually it's encouraging that Britain's the British product, and I'm loath to call it a product, but it is still the best in the world. It is still 
enticing for other people to bet on globally, it is still kind of it has that reputation and the benefits for from a financial perspective are, are obvious, so it's positive. What I think was interesting is um, you might get a big runner, n not necessarily on, on Guineas Day because you get bigger fields, but let's take a small runner, Group 1. You'll get far more turnover on a 16-runner Phillies maiden than you will on, on the Group 1 because that captures the imagination of the punters in Hong Kong far more than that Group 1. That's something you'll know very well from your, your time in Hong Kong. Yeah, look, it's a good thing. It is a good thing, but as long as that the, the money being generated through the whirlpool that comes back to the race courses is then boosted into the prize money. Like you showed York last year, they had a whirlpool meeting and there was a maiden, 80,000 pounds. Like it's unheard of mm. in the UK. So if that sort of thing can be put back into British race, not just York or the big meetings, but if it can grow and get bigger and get more meetings into it, as long as the prize money goes back in. It's yes. up to the race course. The race course gets of the course. money and it's up to them where they put it. But and I it think should be. It, it Not can be, it should be. Uh, Hall of Fame. This is something that's been launched a few years ago now. We had See the Stars and we had uh, Sir Michael Stout put into it uh, on the, the eve of the, the 2000 guineas. I like the Hall of Fame and it, obviously it's a huge thing in America. You, you have, you know... Hall of Famers over there. I, th I think it's yet to really be accepted into our minds over here, but it takes time. And I think the more current people, the more current riders and trainers that go into it, the more it becomes part of our consciousness, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, Sir Michael Stouch, you've definitely been a, even before now, really. You know, he's a genius and um, he's long serving world class trainer, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's good to say it. Like, I see, see a star is also going to uh, enter this week. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah, it's probably going to take a little time to to people to grasp. But I think, as you say, the more big names and current names are the likes of you know, you know, top writers and so forth. It'll 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 become a, a more of a bigger thing. I think. Yeah, it's 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 a huge thing in the states. Yeah, and this is the thing. We're slightly Australia. yeah, and Australia. Big thing. Yes. We're slightly slow. Slow to it. I mean, the, the Premier League launched theirs a, around a similar time. They kind of got onto that vibe as well. And I, I, I mean, I like it. It plays into nostalgia. One can never quite tell how much it's betting in, how much of an impact it's having. But it's something a bit new. It's something that's going to generate an interest in the history of the sport. And one would hope from there, the present as well. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a positive um, initiative as far as I can tell. Yeah, I see. I wasn't aware of the Australian Hall of Fame. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah they've, they've they've done it for years, and it's of course it's positive. It's 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 uh, recognizing the history and uh, the contribution from all the legends through sport throughout the years. So of course it's a it's a good thing. But you've got to really it needs to be promoted more. You know, it's it's like yeah, oh, he's in the it's on the front page of Racing Post. So he's in the Hall of Fame, and that's mm. it. But it's part of the education towards the public about teaching him more about the, the, the great aspects and how good this sport is. Now the Kentucky controversies, we, we said we'd touch on Ari, the, the Derby. So um, trainer Safi Joseph had, had two horses uh, die in, in unexplained circumstances. That then led to him not being allowed to run his horse in the race. And then I think he, he accepted that, Jonathan. He was then rather wrong-footed by the fact that he was actually suspended while pending further investigations when he was saying, hang on, there's absolutely no wrongdoing on, on my part. What did you make of that decision from the American authorities? 
I mean, it's understandable. I think US racing is having something of a crisis of confidence at the moment in that there's been a fair few high-profile instances of trainers getting suspensions. Um, there's been some things around Bob Baffert, of course, um, which he denies. And it's in a difficult spot where it's, you're heading into its biggest race, its marquee race, and they will be concerned. They'll be desperately concerned about those types of headlines going in. I mean, kind of paradoxically, they've now created headlines by doing it. But I, I understand why they need to be seen to be taking a no-tolerance approach to this um, so it's it's understandable I think it's almost a potentially a slightly cautionary tale to for other countries as well about where maybe the direction of travel is going in the perception of welfare and how important it is to be proactive and on the front foot I think that I think exactly that their reaction is more a, a prevention of, of the, the potential reaction were they to do nothing so the suspension of the trainer is because I think when horses die like that two horses in un unexplained circumstances people's minds automatically leap to what was in the horse but th but then Tom, that's transparency so like there's obviously veter veterinary cl uh, clinics that look after the trainers horses and then obviously the regulators or the racing board have veterinaries who are obviously suspending him for that reason but there's no information about it so how do we know it feels like as a, it feels like the reaction almost is a case of well they must know something but this or is they the thing people will make their own interpretation about it and their own opinion about it because everybody loves a rumor don't they so they, they'll always make their own opinion or interpretation on it but if they come out and openly make a certain statement it doesn't have to be a full-blown statement but some sort of reasoning mm. to explain why protesters oh, we didn't want I sort of didn't want to put this in because it feels it's <laughs> counterintuitive <laughs> to talk about the pro to give the airtime to but we're on a racing channel so i don't think look, i don't think it's too much of an issue i think we should discuss it pat because this is the first sort of non really high profile meeting that's been targeted not with great success but i think it's notable that or i think the sport needs to be open to the fact this could be a regular saturday afternoon thing yeah look obviously since since the entry it's 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 it I understand where they're where they're coming from, but like, they it looks like they're looking for a platform for for you know further things on other than just racing, um, and giving them airtime is is what they really want. For as I say, I don't think they're completely against racing itself. I think they're looking for <laughs> bigger things to 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 project them onto, and unfortunately, we're we're seeing it happen more and more now, and I'm sure this isn't isn't going to be the end of it. I think that's spot on. I, th I think racing has been viewed as a handy vehicle to push a much broader agenda. And it's open, so it's easier access for them to get onto a track. Well, it's going to happen at the Derby. Well, it's like the, the guy that went on, well, it was, there was more than one, actually, he went to the, the World Snooker um, to stop oil, throwing dry paint on it. So they're not protesting against snooker. They're protesting against something political. And I think this is... This is what it is. It's political. I think the, I think the derby um, is is a real concern because I think we would all, as racing fans, as people that work in the sport, appreciate that there were elements about the Grand National this year which weren't from start to finish entirely pleasant to watch. And I think that there's more of an acceptance with the the these 
um, animal rights groups uh, trying to make their voices heard and uh, uh, hopefully peacefully at an event like that. The Derby feels like it sort of sits out, uh, outside of that. Um, and the fact that they are looking to target the Derby so openly as they have, uh, have said they're going to do, I think causes great concern for the flat season going forward. But it's because it's, it'll be on mainstream TV and this yeah, is the course. platform. They want the platform which is open to the public and it'll be on mainstream TV. So that's the, that is their access to do that. Do, do you think we should... So the, the, the Grand National this year, it, to my mind, was, was certainly affected. The, 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 the issues we saw at the first two fences were di a direct it, consequence it was of a when disaster. the protests happened. It was a disaster, well, when, and, and but it was were, contributed from... There were a root cause yeah. of that, I have no doubt. Do you think, as a sport, we should be willing to reach out to a group like Animal Rising and have a discussion with them and say, right, we appreciate you're going to protest. We appreciate the Grand National next year you're going to protest. We appreciate you said you're going to do it at the Derby. If you are going to do it, we want to have a discourse with you about when so that we we can protect the animals you clearly know little about as well as possible. Would that be but sensible or, or is that is that not sensible given the platform? I think it's it's more nuanced than that. I think you you go out and reach people in the middle ground. You do that in a productive, proactive way. But when you see misinformation and when you see false information being spread and you see people unwilling to come to the table and have that conversation with people, you need to tackle that in an aggressive Kevin way. Kevin Blake had a live TV interview with one of the main mm -hmm. people from uh, uh, Animal Rising and he gave him an education on there about how good, because Kevin's a breeder so he, he obviously knows, and he gave him an education live on TV about how well these animals are cared for and, and the process and everything goes through and he just didn't want to know. All he wanted to do was go back to the politics and then when he was questioned on those politics of why he's doing it, he couldn't answer him. So mm. they're funded by somebody to be disruptive for some reason other than politics. That is it for this week's Talking Points.